LifeSpring number 149, Falling into God. Hey! I'll bet you never thought you'd hear me again. Welcome. Welcome to LifeSpring. I'm Steve Webb, your host, and I'm thrilled to have you join me today. I'm ecstatic. I'm overjoyed. I'm delighted. If this is your first time, come on in and take off your shoes and make yourself at home. Since you're here, I hope you don't mind if that, uh, well, we're just going to consider you one of the LifeSpring podcast family, okay? One of the old timers will show you around if you like. The fridge is right there in the next room, and I've got cold drinks and snacks for you in there. Help yourself. Some of you have been here since the beginning, and I want to thank you for your friendship and your faithfulness. You're awesome, and I'm so honored to know that you're there. Thanks. I'm learning a lot about who is listening from the survey that's up on my show notes page. Some of what I'm learning is going to be incorporated into the show. So if you want to have your voice heard, or even maybe influence the future of this very show, head on over to LifespringPodcast.com and go to the LifeSpring show notes page. You'll see a link at the top right of the page. And if you fill out the survey, you're also going to receive five entries in the drawing for the very cool computer that I'm giving away on September 30th. So if you hear this after the 30th of September 2007, then it's too late. That doesn't mean I don't want to know what you're thinking. It just means that the survey won't get you any uh, uh, entries into the the drawing for the computer. That's easy for me to say, right? Anyway, speaking of the computer giveaway, I'll be talking more about that at the end of the show. But keeping up with the uh, trend that I've started, we're going to get right into the content right quick. So let's do it right now. All right. So as you heard at the very top of the show, this episode is called Falling into God question is, what do I mean by that? Well, do you remember the series of TV commercials that used to be on TV for an iced tea company? I think it was Lipton. The end of the commercials always showed somebody holding or taking drink, taking a drink of the tea, smiling broadly, and then falling backward into a sparkling blue swimming pool. Remember those commercials? That's what I'm thinking of with falling into God. The other day I was thinking about following Jesus, doing the will of God, and how so many of us have a hard time completely surrendering to him. I think it's a trust issue. We trust him up to a certain point, but there always seems to be a line over which we just can't quite step, a part of our life that we just don't quite trust him. Maybe it's our job or career. You know, we'll let God into every area of our life, but we won't bring God into the workplace. Or maybe it's our relationships, especially our, and I'm doing air quotes here, significant other relationship. (laughs) Keep God out of my romantic life, for crying out loud. That could really mess up a good thing. Hmm. Maybe it's school or finances or your involvement or lack of involvement at church. Where do you have a hard time trusting God? Now, if you need to think about it for a moment, pause your player right now and give it some thought. I'll wait. Seriously, I really want you to think about what is it that you just don't trust God with. Stop the player and have a conversation with him right now. I'll be here when you get back. 
Just, I really want you to do this. Think about where you're not trusting him. Stop the player in three, two, I'll be here. I'll be here when you get back. Three, two, one, turn it off. Okay, here I am. Told you I'd be here. Did you and God have a good talk? I hope so. Now, why are you keeping hold of whatever that area is? Why are you not letting God in, not trusting him? Why? What's not to trust? Do you really think that you're better qualified than he is? Do you think he'll ruin your fun? Are you afraid that he'll make you do something you don't want to do? That you won't be happy if you give him full control? You don't know God very well if you think any of those things. Listen, he's your maker. He's your designer. Your greatest cheerleader. He delights in you. He has made provision to be able to lavish good things on you. The Bible uses that word, to lavish good things on you. The day you invited Jesus into your life, he had a party in heaven. (laughs) Why wouldn't he be worthy of your complete trust if he's going to be this way with you? Now, I can hear some of you now. You're saying, Steve, maybe it's easy for you to trust God. You've got it easy. You've got a wife who loves you. You have kids who love you and who love God. You've got a business of your own. You live in a decent neighborhood. Man, it's easy to trust God when you've got blessings like that. You should see my life, Steve. Hmm. Well, here's my response. Yes, all of those things are true. But that doesn't mean that it's a bed of roses either. As a matter of fact, this past month, September 2007, has been probably the worst month I've ever experienced. Here's a quick recap. Early in September, my 80-year-old dad, who was in failing health and just waiting to die, fell down and broke his hip. By the way, some of these things I'm going to be telling you more details about at the end of the show, because you're wondering. But I'm just right now going to do a a bird's-eye view of what's been going on in September. So he fell down and he broke his hip. And my 75-year-old mother, who is slipping further and further into Alzheimer's disease and is suffering from dementia, will not accept the fact that the both of them need someone to come into their home to help them care for themselves. My younger sister and I are struggling with how to best handle the difficulties there at my parents' house. We had a meeting a week before last at my parents' house when Dad came home from the hospital. My sister, myself, my mom, and my dad. The meeting did not go well. We tried, we, we tried so hard to get them to see that they need help, and it was, it was horrible. It was just, just terrible. And speaking of my sister, I've learned that many areas of her life right now are at the breaking point. And as her big brother, it pains me to see her hurting like this. She's married with three kids, great kids, great husband. But the stress in her life is beyond what I can tell you about here. Okay, so there's that. There's my my dad, my mom, my sister. Next, my father-in-law passed away. A man who was loved and admired by everybody that knew him, including me. I love that man like better than my own dad. My sister said uh, after he passed away, he said, he was like the godly father you never had. And that's true, he was. So helping my family through this loss has been a big part of the second half of the month. And then just a couple of days ago, our work van was broken into overnight while it sat in our driveway. The thieves stole 
lots of things out of there. But the worst was that they took all of the specialized tools that we use in our business, our windshield repair business, all of the tools. So you know what? That put us out of business with no tools. I can't work. So you combine that happy news with the fact that we haven't worked nearly enough this month because we've had to take care of our parents. Paying the bills next month is not going to be an easy thing. So how's that for me? You still think I've got an easy life? Now look, I'm not telling you all this to have you feel sorry for me. And I'm not telling you that I'm, I'm feeling all happy and chipper either. As a matter of fact, I'm a little depressed right now, to tell the truth. I really am. But do I trust God? Yes. Do I wonder why all this has happened in such a short period of time? Yes. I'm going, <laughs> gee, come on, Lord. Stop it. Come on. But in my heart of hearts, I have no doubt that he is still in control and that I have nothing to fear. I don't know why he's allowing all these things to happen, but it's okay. I'm not God. He is. And when I don't understand, that is where faith kicks in. I have to decide, do I believe in him? Do I trust him? Or don't I? Based on everything I've read about him, based on everything I've studied about him, based on every experience I've had with him, I believe that he is worthy of my trust. I don't understand the circumstances that I'm in today in my family, but based on past times when I didn't understand and then later came to understand, I believe that I can trust him now to bring my family and me through this difficult time. I must fall into God. It's a decision. It's a choice. And it's one that I make with confidence. So how about you? Will you continue to hold back or will you decide to fall into God?
It's Carrie Crocker with Time. Okay, so on episode number 148 and a half, I told you that I would give you some of the details about my dad and my father-in-law and how all that happened. I told you about my dad and how he broke his hip and that my sister and I were concerned more about his spiritual welfare than his physical welfare, and I ask you to pray. Fast forward to Sunday night, the 16th. My parents have a neighbor who is a nurse, and this neighbor checks in on him every once in a while to be sure that everything is okay. She did this uh, before he broke his hip and, and, and after he came home. And on the 16th, she stopped by, and, and she wasn't really happy with what she saw there with my parents and with the caretaker, and, and so she called my sister because my sister lives down there in Orange County. During the course of the conversation, she said something, The nurse, or yeah, this nurse said something to my sister that made my sister say, oh, are you a Christian? And she said, yes, we are. And, and we go to, she named the church, and she said, my husband just finished a class on how to bring somebody to the Lord. Well, Lisa told her about my dad and how he wasn't a believer. We, we didn't have any confidence that he was a believer. I, I told you earlier that uh, Leanne talked to him and, and he said the right words. He, you know, he said, yes, I believe. Da, 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 da. But, but I know him and he says things to people sometimes just to shut him up. And, uh, you know, she was Leanne was talking to him in the hospital and, and you know before his surgery and and uh, he he said the right things but it, it it wasn't from the heart. Well, when uh, Lisa told my sister that we were concerned about him, she said one of the things Lisa said one of the things that we that he he I think we he really has a hard time believing God about is that he's lived a pretty difficult life. He's done some things in his life that he thinks are unforgivable. He doesn't believe that God can forgive him. He's been, you know, such a rotten guy that there's just no way that he could be forgiven. And so the nurse told my sister, well, my husband and I will go down tonight and talk to him. We're going to, as soon as I hang up, we'll go talk to him. Well, in reality, it was sort of late at night when Lisa and the nurse had this conversation. So when she hung up, she told her husband about the conversation. She said, Maybe we should wait till tomorrow. It's late. And the husband said, look, look, you, you just told me that that he is about to die, that he's very frail. Not that he's about to die, but you've told me that he's really frail. And, and if he were to die tonight, we couldn't forgive ourselves. And so they traipsed down to my parents' house. And again, it's late. I'm not sure what time it was, but it was late and knocked on the door. And uh, because my parents like these people, they let him in and they, you know, talked for a while in the front room. Well, at one point, my dad and this fellow, the fellow's name was Matt, were in the room together, and uh, Matt said, hey, uh, Ken, we need to talk about this. And uh, he, you know, he asked Dad what he felt about religion and about God and about Jesus and et cetera, et cetera. And Matt shared some very specific scriptures with my dad about God's forgiveness and about God's uh, love and he told my sister when when he was talking to her after all of this happened that that dad was staying very much in tune with the conversation. It was late at night, but he didn't get drowsy. He didn't, you know, try. He didn't drop off. But he he was he stayed very uh, engaged in the conversation. And as Matt was sharing script, scriptures with him, he even reacted, you know, you know, like oh really and stuff like that. So 
at the end of uh, Matt sharing all the scriptures with Dad, he said, wouldn't you like to know that when you die, you'll have a place in heaven? And Dad said, yes, I would. And so Matt led him in the sinner's prayer. And Dad repeated the words. He prayed the words. And when he was all done, Matt said, all right, Ken, now tell me in your own words what just happened. And Dad said, well, I know that when I die, I'll be in heaven. (laughs) He's never said that before. Now, so they stayed a little while longer, and uh, Dad fell asleep. And when they checked in on him, Matt said when they looked at him, as he was asleep, he had a smile on his face. (laughs) Dad doesn't sleep with a smile on his face. I've never seen him with a smile on his face in his sleep. Maybe a grimace, maybe a frown, never a smile. So Dad got saved on Sunday night, the 16th of September. That's a good thing. That's the best thing that's happened in September. And as a matter of fact, it's one of the best things that's happened in my entire life. That's for sure. I got saved when I was 16 years old. I'm 53 right now. And the day that I got saved, I came home. They were not they were not churchgoers. I came home and I told my dad what I'd done. And the ridicule and the hostility that came from him was something I'll never forget. I was in tears. What should have been the happiest day of my life was one of the saddest days of my life. And ever since that day, it's been horrible to try to talk to him about God. And I've done it very few times. I could probably count on one hand the time I've been able to, the times I've been able to talk to him about God. And every time it's been the same way. And so since that day that I got saved, I've been praying that God would bring somebody into his life that he would listen to and that he would respond to. And uh, in all these ensuing years, there have been times where I've just given up hope. I've known that God could do it, but I also knew that it would be a, a miracle of biblical proportions. And it's not very often that God parts the Red Sea these days. I know that God still does miracles because I saw one happen on Sunday night, the 16th of September, 2007, when my dad got saved. So that was a good thing. So what I would say to you is never, 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 never give up praying for somebody. That was wonderful. Okay, now to tell you about my father-in-law. As most of you know, Leanne's dad, Rip Collins, went to be with the Lord on that same night, September 16th, 10.56 p.m. Let me fill you in on what led to his passing. Now, let me say that as I'm telling you this, I didn't keep a log, so I may have some of the, the days, you know, a little bit shifted one way or the other. I didn't, you know, the details, I don't remember. I'm not really good with those kinds of details, but the general progression of events is, is right. On Monday, September 10th, my father-in-law, Rip, checked in to have surgery done on his back, specifically the lumbar vertebrae. He said, we, we, we didn't even know it because he's the kind of guy that didn't complain a lot, but he had horrible pain in the uh, lumbar area of his back. And he found this doctor that said that, uh, you know, he did some x-rays and stuff like that and found that there were some problems with, uh, I think, the third and fourth lumbar vertebrae. And they were going to go in and 
and uh, take care of some some issues there. Well, Rip told my mother-in-law that um, he could not live any longer with the pain. Now, he had a history of heart problems, but nothing recent. Um, He had a a triple bypass 23, 24, 25 years ago, something like that. I don't know exactly. But when he had this 20, let's say, let's say 25, just to make it easy. When he had the, the bypass 25 years ago, the doctor told him it would probably give him another 12 to 15 years. So Rip has been living on, on extra time that God has given him. Well, in the surgery, there was uh, a bit of a mishap. The surgery did not go well. He, uh, the doctor ended up uh, nicking uh, the, the dura around uh, one of the, um, uh, the sacs that holds the, the, the fluid between the vertebrae. And some of this fluid began to leak out. And so he had to stitch this dura. Well, I, I guess it's like stitching uh, uh, wet tissue paper. It, it doesn't stitch very well. And so when they got done with the surgery, the doctor put him on his back and had them elevate the foot of the bed about a foot above his head, all right? And he's laying in the bed like this with his feet elevated about a foot. Well, I visited him, in t- I think it was Tuesday morning, and he was in a lot of pain. They had given him um, the kind of uh, thing where he could administer his own painkiller, and you know he was pushing that button all the time. Now, the way it's set up, it only actually... Um, distributes the drug every so many minutes, but um, he was he was hurting. Anyway, um, when I visited him, I, I read Psalms to him. I prayed with him. Uh, we had a nice conversation, uh, but he had a, he was having difficulty breathing, and he couldn't sleep because every they, he had a monitor on him that um, when his uh, respirations went below a certain point or when his uh, O2 level in his blood got too low, this alarm would go off and wake him up, and so he couldn't get any sleep. As soon as he'd go to sleep, man, that alarm would go off. So he had labored, labored breathing, couldn't get rest. But after being with him for 15 minutes or so, he got tired and he was trying to sleep. So I left. As it turns out, that's the last time I saw him awake. Well, the next day was Wednesday, I think it was, and his breathing was even more difficult. Uh, Leanne was there many hours during this time. We were both taking time off work. Anyway, uh, his breathing was harder, and late that night, he went into full arrest. They had a code blue when he was in his hospital room. He, we were not happy at all with the care that he was getting from the nursing staff. As a matter of fact, um, the, the, the night, um, one of the nights, I've forgotten now which one it was, he, he had complained that nobody on staff that night could speak English. And when he would ask for ice chips, they would just ignore him. It was terrible. So when he when he went into Code Blue, they moved him to ICU, intensive care unit, and he got great care in there. Well, over the next several days, he had uh, some you know ups and downs. There was a real concern about whether he might have suffered brain damage because of that Code Blue, because of that heart attack and the lack of oxygen to the brain. For a while there, things looked really bleak. Uh, One of the docs said that he only had probably a 20% chance of survival. He said that if Rip had any more heart attacks within the next, I think he said, 72 hours, something like that, he'd most likely not make it. But then there were some good signs, too. Most of the time, they kept him really sedated, uh, asleep, 
almost all the time. But once when Leanne was there in the ICU, uh, standing next to him, Rip awakened briefly. And Leanne said, I love you, Daddy. And uh, he mouthed the words, I love you too. He couldn't speak because he had a tube down his throat. But we all took that as a great sign that he might not have brain damage after all. And that was very encouraging. But as it turns out, those words of love to his daughter were his last words. After that, they put him, you know, they sedated him some more because they didn't want him agitated. I think that was on Saturday the 15th. Everybody was feeling guardedly optimistic at this point, and uh, we went to church on Sunday morning. We went to lunch with the family as usual, and then after that we went down to the hospital. We visited for a while. We took turns standing by his bed. They let us in two at a time, and uh, pretty much you know, the entire family was there. Uh, my mother-in-law... Leanne and I, uh, Steve O'Brien, my brother-in-law, and his wife, Lori, who was Leanne's sister, um, their two daughters and their two husbands, uh, Leanne's other brother and sister and their wives and kids. So there was a crowd of us there. And we'd take turns going in two by two. We'd be with him for a while. And, you know, I, 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 as an example, I stood next to him uh, and I stroked his arm and I held his hand and I spoke to him about what was going on with Timothy and Stephen just, um, you know, prayed for him, just spent time with him, letting him know, you know, not knowing at all if, if any of this was registering, but we just kind of felt that if we stayed there and talked to him and let him know we were there, maybe it might help him come out of it. But all this time he's asleep and he's not responding to anything. So we stayed until early evening. I don't know, maybe six, seven o'clock, something like that. Well, about 9 o'clock that night, Sunday the 16th, we got a call from the ICU. He was in full arrest again. So Leanne and I, you know, rushed out to the car, drove down to the hospital. And we got there at about 9.30 and they were doing CPR. And uh, I used to be an EMT, so I, I know what it looks like. But I told Leanne, you don't have to go in there. You don't have to see this. But she went in and, and we were the first two there of the family. Pretty soon... Um, the entire family was there in the ICU, standing around, watching them try to get their father their father back. Um, you know, they pushed drugs and, you know, the doctor would, you know, finally came over and he said, look, you know, we've, we've done all this. We've worked on them for all this time. And uh, it's not working. You know, he'd, he'd be in V-fib. Their heart would be, you know, moving, but not efficiently, not moving blood. And uh, he just wasn't coming out of it. So they pronounced him dead at 10.56. Rip Collins was one of the kindest, steadiest men I have ever known. He loved the Lord and he served him wholeheartedly, I think from the moment he accepted Jesus into his life. Uh, He's helped to build churches in the United States in places such as Venezuela and Samoa. He managed a Christian bookstore when our church operated one. He's been the groundskeeper and the custodian. He's been on the visitation team. He's been on the church board of directors and on and on and on. He was never one to go for a position up front, you know, a public position, but he was always content to do the behind the scenes jobs that needed to be done. 
He's been the guy that for the past several years uh, has brought donuts and made coffee for a Sunday school class. He's the guy who stays late to lock up the back gate at church whenever there's a function. Not just Sundays, but whenever. Our pastor made the comment at the funeral that everywhere you go in our church, Rip is there. He's been such an integral part of everything that there's nothing that he hasn't touched there. In the 20 years that I've known him, I've never seen him raise his voice or express an unkind word. He accepted me into his family warmly when I asked his permission to marry his daughter, and yes, I did that, before I asked Leanne to marry me. I went to my future mother and father-in-law and I asked their permission, and I've been proud to call him dad. I know without a doubt that when he entered the presence of the Lord that he heard the words I long to hear someday, well done, good and faithful servant. So many of you have written in telling us of your prayers and condolences, and I, I can't answer each email, but please let me tell you right now that we are so grateful, and we were really encouraged to know of your concern and your prayers, and we just really thank you so very much for, for sending those thoughts and prayers to us. We really, really appreciate it. Well, the podcast and New Media Expo is coming this weekend, as I'm sure you know. Um, I'll be there, and I hope to see you there, too, if you're a podcaster, or even if you're just in Southern California and you're just a listener. Come on down there. You can get on the on the floor, on the, on the expo floor for free. It doesn't cost anything. Um, much of the time, I'll be at the Orange County Podcasters booth, which is right next to the iProng booth and the LA Podcasters booth. Actually, I think we're all just kind of one long, big booth. I'll be podcasting live from the booth on Friday from noon to 1230 and then on Sunday at the same time. Uh, it's going to be on TalkShoe and all the info will be on the show notes page at LifespringPodcast.com. So I'd love to have you call in and say hi or ask a question. You know, several people have suggested that I do a TalkShoe show. So let's see how this goes. Call me again. You can find the uh, information on how to you know do the TalkShoe thing on the show notes page. So just go to LifespringPodcast.com, click on LifeSpring, and the information will be right there, okay? So give me a call. So in addition to the 12 to 1230 thing on Friday and Sunday, I will be in the iProng booth demoing iPhones on Saturday from 2 to 4. But most importantly, I will be at the worship service on Sunday morning from 8 to about 8.50. So come down and see me at any one of those times or anywhere in between. I'll be there the whole time. Also, Jimmy Bratcher will be in concert at my church at 6 o'clock on Sunday night. After the expo's all over, he's going to come out and do a, do a concert at my church. So if you're in the Southern California area, come on in and see a great concert by one of my favorite artists of all time. Well, don't forget my email address is steve.lifespring at gmail.com and the toll-free toll free listener comment line is 877-433-9091. And lastly, I want to tell you about the computer drawing. Now, we're going to have the drawing on Sunday the 30th. So at, at the end of the day, 11.59.59, I think is when I said uh, I'll be doing it, uh, doing the drawing. So you need to be sure that if you want to have a, a chance to win this thing, you get your entries in. Now, there's several different ways you can do entries. One of them is to do the survey that we're talking about. But there's several other ways that you can enter the uh, the drawing. Now, listen. 
winning this computer is not like, you know, uh, buying a lotto ticket and your chances being one in, you know, a million, million, 17 million, billion. Your chances here for winning this computer are probably better than any contest you've ever entered. Um, I've had lots of entries, but uh, (laughs) compared to winning the lottery, buddy, you've got a good chance. So don't, you know, don't think that, oh, I'll never win that thing. You really just might. So get your entry in. Go to LifespringPodcast.com, and at the upper right, you'll see the link that says, Win a Computer from LifeSpring. This is not some cheesy ad. Find out how. Click on that Find Out How. And um, you really got to do that. This is a great computer. Go check it out on the show notes page. You, you can't miss it. And so, what's LifeSpring all about? Well, you see, it doesn't matter where you're at, and it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your age, your sex, or your station in life. Jesus said... Who do you say that I am? Life Springs about answering that question and the question of how and why the answer can and does affect your life today. Fall into him. He's trustworthy. He loves you. Well, thanks for being with me today. Until next time, may God bless you richly. I'm Steve Webb. This has been an In Touch Productions podcast. The best and the brightest, served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, Podshow and Limelight.